unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So before we start off this episode, I'm going to ask you a weird question. All right. Everyone around me, especially because of lockdowns and quarantines, is just letting their beard grow and grow and grow. And you took the opposite approach. I don't think I've ever seen your beard this well trimmed before. Yeah, well, so here's the, here's the shortest version of the story. I got a beard trimmer about three years ago, and the woman who cut my hair said, use it, you can't screw it up. And I, I, I was scared that I would screw it up. I finally had no choice. So um, normally I would just let the person who cuts my hair, let her do it, but can't see her. So I thought, all right, I'll do it. And it's not hard to do. And I didn't screw it up too bad anyway. It was a shocker because all of my other clients have doubled or tripled their facial hair. And I get on the call with you and I'm like, wait, David's well-groomed. What's going on here? I like to be a contrarian anyway. If everyone else is letting their beard grow, I'm going to trim it neatly for the first time in my life, you know? (laughs) Nice. Okay. So what do we got lined up for this week's episode? Okay. So question. Have you ever bought something online and wondered why it seemed like such a no-brainer? Maybe you were even thrilled with what you bought after you got it, but you still don't know why you felt such a push to push the buy button. Uh, There are so many promotions, on the other hand, that just bomb. And what's the difference? Why is this? And most often, it's the same reason positive and negative. It's the offer. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into offers since they are at the heart of what makes copy work, especially when the copy sells really big. And we're also going to review this important truth about what makes copywriters podcasts so memorable. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So Nathan, what I wanted to do, I don't think we've actually done a show on offers yet. I I went through all 150, 160 of them. I couldn't find one. And um, so I want to cover a lot today. I want to cover what an offer is, including a couple points that might be new um, to a listener, you. Um, Three reasons why offers don't work 99% of the time, how to build an offer that will work. Two additional factors most people don't talk about, at least the ones I've heard. that weigh heavily on how effective an offer is and some examples of great offers. So let's, let's jump right in. Um, most people think they know what an offer is, and they're right, but what most people know is not the whole story because there are some additional pieces that spell out the difference between an offer that works 
at all and an offer that really takes off and brings in the bucks. See, the offer is not just what you're selling, although that's a big part of it. More important, it's how you sell it, how you present it, how you arrange it. When it comes to testing, the offer is one of the big three things you can test. Offer, headline, pricing, or payment plans. You can test other things, but those are the ones that historically make the biggest difference in tests. And maybe you've heard this. The best product doesn't win. The product with the best marketing wins. So I agree with that. I've seen that. Um, I haven't seen too many exceptions to that. But often it's the product with the best marketing that has the best offer. Not that the best marketing equals the best offer because there are other aspects to marketing. But if there's really great marketing on a pretty so-so offer, Nah, nah. you know, it's not going to be a big hit. But if you have a good offer, not, not necessarily a great product, but a good offer and great marketing, you can really have a winner. Just to differentiate, you said it's one of the main three things to test. Uh, the first thing being the headline and the hook. The second thing being the, pri- the pricing and the payment plan. And the third, being, the third being the offer. I think that a lot of people, I know that this was something that I had trouble differentiating in my head which is what's the difference between the offer and the pricing? A lot of times people might think the pricing is either the offer or a part of the offer. Where where would you say they'd be wrong in that thinking? Uh, There's a link, especially if you're going to do what's commonly known as the value build to the price drop. And then the fact that the price is so much lower than the value um, makes it an offer. But there, there are a lot of things you can do with pricing. Um, I mean, down to the very granular, Ted Nicholas reported that way back in the day that the Wall Street Journal had tested $7.77 as the best price for a subscription to the Wall Street Journal. And uh, as a result, every marketer in the world ended their price with $0.07. Cents. Um, that's not really an offer. That's the price. You can also have a payment plan, you know, the guarantee, um, or don't pay for 30 days. That can be part of the offer. But what we're going to talk about here with the offer has a lot more to do with the price there. They're not, I mean, I would say your headline, your hook and your offer are a lot more separate than your offer and your pricing. Okay. And, and I also wanted to say that, you know, as sort of just referring to them, um, there are, basically three pieces of an offer that the conventional wisdom talks about. They talk about the core product plus the bonuses as components. They talk about the value bill to price drop. In other words, you say it's worth $1,000 and here you're getting it for only $129 or $49 or whatever. And then the value stack. When you take what's in the offer, you break it apart and you show high value for all the individual pieces. Um, and those are part of the offer too. Um, but offers don't work. You know, you've seen a lot of things bomb and here's some things to think about. There are three reasons, but there are two points I want to give you, and then I'll give you the three reasons. If you're the copywriter or business owner, remember these two key points when it comes to crafting your offer, the offer is not about you get to that in a minute. And Crafting a good offer actually does require 
some thought ahead of time. It's not impulse or intuition that's going to always work for you. So let's let's talk about these three reasons in terms of it's not about you and, and some thought ahead of time. There are people, you and I know them, Nathan, maybe we've even worked with them, who believe so strongly they're in their intuition or are so undisciplined or are so impaired in their ability to think things through that they will just throw spaghetti up against the wall to see if it sticks. And that's their offer. And they, uh, and you know, that can work uh, once in a while and that can fail a lot. And if your cost of failure is low and your patience for doing this endlessly is high, you can make money that way. But it's not really a good way to do things, in my opinion. Um, then there are offers where people think them through, but they think about them because they believe that they are the authority. They are the boss of their customers, they think. And so an offer that is something the business owner wants to sell the customer without any regard to whether the customer wants it or not, or an offer where the business owner thinks they know what the customer should want because they are the moral authority over the customer. That don't work too well either. Can work when you've got a cult, when you've got a business designed like a cult, it can work really well, but most businesses aren't. And I wouldn't want to depend on that myself. So what should business owners do to make offers work? They should create an offer that's a watertight fit with what the customer already wants. I mean, it seems so obvious, right? I mean, how often have you taken on a client where the main problem they had, they had a great product, they had a good target audience, but they had one of those problems? Very frequently, I think that one of the benefits of being a copywriter and a product or service developer is that first or that second one that you mentioned, not selling what you want to sell, but rather selling what people want to buy. As a non-marketer, non-copywriter business owner, I had the hardest time getting that through my head. But once I started writing copy and marketing, all of a sudden I realized, oh, that's so important. And it stopped being about this is what I'm passionate about selling and started being about this is what people are passionate about buying. Yeah, um, I, I want to dwell on that because this is one of those deceptively simple things. It sounds so obvious when you hear it, of course, but it's much harder to do. You put a lot of yourself, a lot of your time, a lot of your ego into um, your business and then just developing the wherewithal, the confidence um, and the skills and you know the the resilience in your business. And you'll be damned if some customer is going to tell you what to offer, except <laughs> your customers are the ones who pay you. <laughs> they may not exactly be your bosses, but they're the ones who um, provide the funding for your business. But it, So it's hard mentally, emotionally to do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. I've worked with a lot of people that have built up a big audience. And then they come to me and they say, okay, we've got this audience of 10,000 people. We want to figure out how to get them to buy this. And my first immediate question is always, well, why not figure out what they want to buy and sell them that rather than try and figure out how to convince them into buying what you want to sell them? And of course, their answer is because they should buy what I want to sell. <laughs> yeah. But 
a lot of times you get that aha moment and you're you get to watch it when someone finally figures out, oh, this is the secret of success. Yeah, it's it's deceptively simple. So I'm this next part of the show, I'm not going to repeat what we just went over. It might be worth repeating the rolling back the tape a little bit or the audio file, but um, because there's a lot in there, which we just covered. But I want to talk about how you can build an offer that will work. Now, there, there are different strategies. I think you need a different strategy for a product, for a service business, and yet another strategy, perhaps, for a digital subscription business like a membership site or you know, a subscription to a publication or software. And if you've got all these other things right, if, if you've actually custom fit what your uh, prospect wants to buy, for a product business, you can really goose the sales by doing one of two things, either adding special high-value bonuses that are related to the same thing the customer wanted when they bought the offer itself, or by discounting the offer. Now, discounting is not always a good idea, but sometimes it's a great idea. And I'll, I'll get to that, and, and maybe you'll have some ideas about that too in the next part, um, uh, or in, in two parts from now. But so that's for a product. For a service business, uh, especially if you, and I'm not really talking about a sort of um, low-priced service, but like, a, you know, like uh, maybe like Rick, you know, who was on our last show as a very high-end service, or um, maybe if, if you're an architect and you consult, and, you know, the service itself could be expensive, but you're not going to lose, you're, you can't give all the value away in a single consultation. It would be good to make your offer a free initial consultation. Um, you want to qualify the people but craft the con- consultation and the way you talk about it in a way that it's valuable. So don't just say, I'll give you an hour of my time. That could just be a wasted hour. Offer some specific, tangible as possible outcomes for the prospect. No strings that you'll deliver in the course of the session. Like, you know, uh, the architect could say, um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you um, four mistakes to avoid that have costs clients who came to me after dumping another architect um, uh, a lot of money and you don't you won't have to hire me to avoid these mistakes you just need to know what they are so you don't make them that that could be worth an hour's worth of someone's time if they're going to design their own custom house for example so digital subscription business or software a free first month um we see this all the time. We see dollar trials, things like that. The, the key thing is don't fall into the trap of thinking that just because you're offering it for free, people will think it's valuable. You've got to let them know ahead of time the value they're going to get, the benefits they're going to get. You, you've got to sell. Sometimes you have to sell free harder than you have to sell uh, something you're charging money for. and. So those are three ways for product, for service business, and for digital subscription. But there are two additional factors that will make your offer work. And 
you, you know, I, I think that uh, people know more about the first one than the second one. The first one is value. You know, um, make, make sure that you let somebody, give somebody a benchmark, a reason why this, this you know, they're getting tremendous value for their money. Um, security, risk reversal. Let them know that if it doesn't work out, they're not going to get stuck holding the bag. And, you know, making it a perfect fit. Um, that, that, whole, that whole feeling of like, yeah, this is something I want to do. I can't lose. That, that's the, the feeling you'd like them to have. The second thing is the emotional wrapping paper. I'm coming up with that term, emotional wrapping paper on a solid, attractive offer. So you've got the offer, you've got all these elements in there, it's a perfect fit. Then you want to wrap around it. This is the relief you'll feel when you don't have this problem. This is the excitement or the confidence you'll feel when you have this new skill. You want to, you're, yeah, you're using that in other parts of the letter. You want to remind them of that in your offer. Don't expect them to remember that. Don't expect them to be sitting there with a pad saying, oh, well, Oh, I'm going to get this benefit. Let me write that down before I keep reading your letter. They don't read that way. So you have to remind them. You know, for the last part of it, well, any, any comments on that? I've been talking nonstop for about <laughs> 10 minutes. I've heard it be said that you don't sell the features, you sell the benefits. I think a lot of times on the offer, it's not really about selling the benefits. It's about selling the transformation. And when you said the emotional wrapping paper, reminding them of how their life is going to be transformed, how their emotional state is going to be transformed, how their status or their whatever the new way of being that is way better than the way that they're living life right now, reminding them of that when you're, when you're going for the final close or the final positioning of the offer is, uh, like you said, to expect them to figure that out you're going to be losing money if you, you always say, if you do the hard work, the money will flow into your pocket. So by reminding them of that transformation, that, that uh, emotional transformation, status transformation, way of being transformation, right then at the end where you're making your offers, it's one of the things where I see people just forget it a, a lot. And it's one of those simple things where you just add that in and all of a sudden the offer has so much more punch to it. Yeah, and it works too. You know, people people are looking for that. Obviously, they have a pain or a need or a want, and and they're looking for a solution. But they're really looking for a change. They're really looking for a transformation. And if you can help them envision that and believe it, that's really good. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques. Last time I checked, a lot of people, from the most advanced to the up and coming copywriters, reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn, has hired me 20 times. Yep, 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over a copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, 
But he assured me it was. He said, I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab, garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. So I wanted to give some examples of offers that work, and I hope you would have one or two or three also, Nathan. Um, here's one that I saw. A friend of mine did it um, about a week ago. Um, he didn't say it was a quarantine offer, but it was clearly a good quarantine offer. Uh, John Carlton has a, a fa- fairly famous course among copywriters called Kick-Ass Copywriting Secrets of a Marketing Rebel. and He's been selling it for years for 99 bucks. Um, he did an offer where he just dropped the price to 20 bucks. Now, I, I know from inside information, which I will not reveal, that they, they sold more units that day. I mean, I won't tell the number of units, but they sold a lot, a lot, a tremendous, you know, unbelievable amount. Um, and there, there's a lot of factors going in. Carlton's reputation, big list. Um, People are trying to figure out what to do productive with their time. Not all people, but some people during this quarantine. Um, so that was a price drop. Now, it was an old enough course, so it wasn't exactly like he was cut, taking bread off his own table by, by offering this. It was just sitting there, and by lowering the price, he made it available to a lot of people uh, pretty much as a snap decision. Do you have any... Um, uh, great offers and they don't have to be price drops. They could be anything that you've seen that worked really well. Can I be completely shameless and plug something of my own? Sure. Why not? It's the copywriters podcast after all. <laughs> so I have a private community called FMS and I restructured free market squad, right? There you go. Um, I restructured the positioning of it recently uh, whereas it used to be, Hey, this is how I made so much money and turned two profitable businesses into uh, life sustaining, um, ventures. And these are the people that taught me everything that I know about marketing and copywriting. And without what they taught me, I would not be successful. If you want to join, if you've got a business and you want to join and learn from the people who taught me, here's a really great way for you to do that. And now, was it was okay it was converting um when all of this hit though people's mindset was different and so i repositioned uh, same offer same everything uh join the community get access to the trainings but i repositioned it i positioned it as throughout history economic times have gone up and gone down and throughout that time period there have been certain people who no matter what end up making a killing while everybody else is losing everything. These people are building empires and they have a couple of secrets that you never get taught in school. In fact, are deliberately withheld from you in school. And if you want to know what those secrets are, continue reading this sales page. And then the sales page goes into the secrets are having a mastermind, having a community and understanding persuasion and marketing. And then taking action. And the offer is, if you join this network, you'll have access to a community. You'll learn the marketing. 
and you'll learn the stuff that separates the people that can make money in any economy from the people who can only make money in a good economy. And just that civil, simple pivot, the, the old thing was, hey, make a lot of money and be your own boss. And the new thing was, hey, even when times are tough, certain people are able to come out and make a killing. If you want their secret, here, here's what it is. That simple switch on the offer, I, in the last week, week and a half, every single day I'm having people flood the community. So um, knowing where people's psyche is at and tailoring your, your offer to what's going on in their head, so important. That's, that's a really great example. And let me ask you a question. Did you change the price? I did change the price. I actually decreased the price by a significant amount. But the funny thing is the increase of people coming in has more than compensated for what I reduced the price. Yeah. So, so the, the next offer I want to talk about also was a, a price drop. And um, it's, it's interesting. I don't always recommend decreasing prices, but now's not a bad time to use that strategy depending. Um, now, this actually happened before the quarantine start, took effect about a month before. Um, a, a guy who makes virtual instruments named Kirk Hunter has this incredible orchestra uh, that's all virtual orchestra, um, traditional percussion, strings, brass, woodwinds. And um, my teacher, who is very picky and knows the field said, this is a great deal. It's normally 500 bucks. And because Kirk Hunter was retiring this version to come out with a even fancier schmancier version, he was dropping the price again, 80% to 100 bucks. I, I bought it right away. But when you look at it from the marketer's point of view, he could have just thrown it away and said, this is legacy. He could have just included it with the new version, or he could have sold it for a hundred bucks. Um, so it was sort of a win-win in that way. Um, I, I guess the, those, if you have any other examples or, or we can wrap here. Uh, I just want to mention right now, reducing the price on like a digital product is a brilliant idea because so many people are, worried about where their next paycheck is going to come from, if they're going to have their next paycheck. If you are offering a digital product, it can, if people see a reduced price and it's at the same time that they're having a reduction in their own money, they're going to see it as goodwill rather than, oh, there must be something wrong with this. So I think that the Carlton offer, my offer, and the Kirk Hunter offer, the one thing that they all had in common, which normally we'd, we'd say don't, reduce price. Don't try and sell on price. But right now it's, hey, we understand where you're coming from and we want to make this available to you even if you don't have what you can use what we usually sell this for. And so it doesn't seem like there's something wrong with it. That's why they're discounting it. It seems more like this person cares about me and they're trying to make sure that I can have access to this thing that I really want. And therefore it's a no-brainer to take advantage of it. Yeah, thanks. That spells it out really well. Um, because, again, most of the time, uh, at, well, let's say during normal times, whenever you offer a discount, you need to come up with a reason. Now you can state the reason or not, but 
you don't need to come up with a reason quite in the same way anymore. It doesn't seem like you're desperate. Um, it seems like you're compassionate. Yeah. So that, that little piece of context can completely change the power of the offer. I guess as we're leaving, just, just, I wanted to emphasize little things like that, the context, the, the way that the position the market's in right now, the things that are going on in your market's mind, um, those things impact the power of, a, of an offer just as much as anything that you write. That's great. All right. Well, let's wrap it up then. All right, David, if people want more episodes of the podcast, where's the, be where's the best place to go? They should go to copywriterspodcast.com. Awesome. All right, man. Until next time, we will catch you later. All right. Catch you later. Thanks. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.